Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 170, Something Wonderful. Alright, today I am here talking to uh, Dennis um, Furia. Furia? How do you pronounce Furia. your name, Dennis? I'm sorry. Fur- no, you're fine. I, I, okay. I probably, in, in, in the native Italian, it's got probably more of a flair like you put on it, but uh, Furia is what I say. Okay. <laughs> and hey, how's that for an introduction there? <laughs> <laughs> you want to retake or are you good to go? Oh, no, that's, that's totally cool. Sweet. I'm just going to wing it. Sweet. I've never, this has never been a show that is polished. Nice. Well, I'm going to fit right in here then. Perfect. <laughs> um, I will say I have not done a, an interview in, a, in probably in a couple of years. So I'm really rusty, which means I'm going to sound so bad. You're going to sound awesome. Everybody's going to okay. love this. <laughs> I'm asking the questions you're answering, right? Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so anyway, I am talking to Dennis because he is making a game. He has made a game called The Deck of Wonders, and it is... Well, it will be on Kickstarter next week, but by the time you hear this, it will be live on Kickstarter. Yeah, the weird time warp that you have recording something in advance. Mm-hmm, that's right. So so first, let's find out about you, Dennis. How long, mm-hmm. how long have you been gaming? I assume you game. Right yeah, I, I do. I, I do a ton of gaming, both of the board and video variety. And it's it's just been as long as I can remember. Like I think back to um, childhood. I have um, you know, a large family, two brothers and two sisters, and, and we're all kind of mm-hmm. close together. Um, but I remember playing Stratego with my brothers way back in the day. Um, and that was like, it's kind of a classic board game, but it's also like, it's about as close to a modern board game as a classic board game can get. Um, but you know, we, we played Stratego, we, we did all the, you know, classic board game circuit. We played chess against each other and just, we constantly had that running. Um, and I, I don't think I ever registered that as like a category of thing, you know, Mm -hmm. I I wasn't aware of it as a a larger um, thing that could be a passion like it's evolved into now. But that's that's my earliest memory is those strategic games um, always versus another person, of course. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, video games were were the forbidden fruit in my family. That was like the parents didn't want us to have a console. And uh, we, we were always trying to weasel our way into why we should have one and finally got it. And so played the hell out of that. Um, Spyro the Dragon was my very first uh, video oh, game okay. on PlayStation wow. um, and never looked back from there. So I, I, I game a ton um, and then have gotten more and more into board games as a thing. Gosh, probably probably since I've been married, honestly. So I'm, I'm going on nine years of marriage here. Um, anniversary coming up in September. Nice. And my wife and I, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, we play a ton of two player focused games. Uh, and so like we love hive, we love star realms. Codenames duet is amazing. Um, and, and, you know, a bunch of others will kind of tinker with, um, but that's, that's been a great outlet for us. And then that just kind of started expanding me into different friend groups who play, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, doing a group of, you know, one group's doing pandemic legacy, the other group's doing, uh, Gloomhaven and and suddenly you're just you know doing all the board games um, and yeah so so it it started way back kind of faded to video games for a while and then came roaring back in adulthood um, in just a really cool way because I feel like we're in a bit of rena- of a renaissance for for board games right now yeah I agree and that that is a familiar story because I mean I, that's the same for me I used to play tons of video games well board games with my siblings when I was super young and you know, like you I didn't think of it as a hobby or it's just it's just what we did we played games right. Mm-hmm. And then 
started playing video games when when they came out because <laughs> i'm a little older than you so i'm like at the i used to play on the atari right when that was cutting edge all right yeah <laughs> and my gosh games have gone so far mm-hmm. and then you know after a while got back into board games when, when i got older and i learned about all these other new modern games mm-hmm. so yeah. and you could afford so, the the ungodly prices that they yes. to, to <laughs> which still still <laughs> blows me away I, I, the idea of playing that much for a game just bothers me i'll do it <laughs> oh man i mean being on being on the making it side you have a whole new level of empathy but yeah that's uh i've i've mm-hmm. tried to keep the footprint of deck of wonders small i'm sure we'll get into that and mm-hmm. um but but yeah, it is you know making making a thing capital T actual physical thing um, is you know is is a whole whole adventure. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, um, I, I made a challenge coin. I had that on Kickstarter for the one player guild a couple years ago, and, and that was a little mm-hmm. tiny project. You know, it was just one piece. <laughs> yeah, biggest biggest quotes around just one piece that you've ever seen, right? <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy. So so let's so let's talk about your game. So what well what made you decide to make a game in the first place? That's a great question. It it actually flows from what I was just talking about, um, playing Gloomhaven with with a group of friends. Um and you know, somewhere in that mix we uh we found the time to have a couple kids. Uh, and, and so I've got a, I've got a six-year-old and a four-year-old right now. We've got another one on the way in December, which is exciting. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, which just means I have no time and no capacity. <laughs> and I certainly don't have the time or capacity to coordinate other with other parents who have no time and capacity and then spend three hours setting up Gloomhaven only to play it for a half hour and then spend three hours tearing down. Like, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it was, you know, we, we loved the game enough that we wanted to, um, to make it work and we did. But it was just it was just so painful, um, yeah. and, and Gloomhaven is an amazing co-op game. It's also a very intricate experience um, in terms of the the um, AI of the villains, and that was very intriguing. And um, you know, I, I have a I have a buddy that we were playing with. He he had the idea of like, what if what if Gloomhaven was like a one player focused experience, and how much how much more cool stuff could you do if you weren't designing everything to to accommodate multiple people around the table. Um, cause I mean, you know, better than anyone else, you can do all sorts of interesting things with a solo game that you can't, when you have the pressure and expectations of multiple people around the table and you have to worry about downtime mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Uh, so we were talking about that and I've, you know, I've always loved, um, Hearthstone and collectible card games in general. And, and so I, I started thinking, you know, I, I would love to have this, this deep strategic experience, um, in a form that I can have on my own terms and by the by, because of the whole parent thing and just busy life thing, you don't have to be a parent to have a crazy busy life. Um, you know, that I, I want it to be on my terms in like 15 minutes when I can sneak it in over my kid's nap time or over lunch break or I'm a student in between classes. And I kind of went to sleep with that idea and then woke up with the idea in my head of a card that was dual sided like the the um, Deck of Wonders cards are. Mm-hmm. Um and it's, it's so vivid. It must've been a dream or something, but you know, it was on, on one side, it was going to be a dragon on the other side, it was going to be the fireball that the dragon shoots. And once I got one, once I got the other, um, and that just started, I was like, oh, Eureka, that's it. Start designing. We went on a, a vacation about two weeks later. Um, and I spent the entire time with a deck of playing cards <laughs> that I made a reference sheet for, um, just creating the bones of deck of wonders. So that's uh that's really what it was born out of is like, I love, complex thinky games and i never have time to play them the way i want um and deck of wonders is is my attempt to to answer that need Hmm. so so what i heard you say is basically a gloomhaven killer 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming for you, Isaac. Just kidding. I would, I would faint if I was in uh, his presence. I think so. <laughs> That's um, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I like that. I like the uh, the double sided cards too. That's pretty neat. I like how how it's basically like when it's an enemy, what's well, e- it's either the creature working for you or the creature working against you, depending mm-hmm. on who recruited that creature. Mm-hmm. And that, that is pretty neat. Here's here's the thing, and I need someone to to enlighten me because someone has the perfect terminology. But I, what I've learned is there is no good way to describe two sides of the same face of one card. Like if you say, oh, it's a two-sided card, everyone look at, looks at you funny. And they're like, yeah, ev- every card has a front and a back. And you're like, no, 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 it's different. It's like, it's like a thing, you know, like- four-sided card. You can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess all cards are technically what, nine side or six-sided? Uh, they're just, you know, four of those sides aren't very useful. Uh, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but, and, and so, you know, you have to be like, well, think of, think of like a king in a playing card deck, how it's got like his head is on one side, but his head is also on the other side. It's like a weird reverse human centipede kind of thing. That's the wrong analogy, but you know, they, and then people get it and you can go from there. But um, so some like two halves to the same side, dual sided, yeah, top and a bottom, maybe top and a bottom. Know, yeah. nothing, nothing does it justice. So yeah. I've been working on this for a year. That's the single design problem. I haven't been able to solve. <laughs> how, how to describe it. Someone, someone is screaming at their iPhone right now being like, it's this, you idiot. Uh, <laughs> it's so obvious. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just yeah. Let us know. It'll get figured out. Mm-hmm. But so, so what the game is called deck of wonders. What is a deck of wonders? Yeah, better question would be, what is the Deck of Wonders? Okay. Uh, In the mythology, the Deck of Wonders is the prized possession of fate. And fate is um, almost like the goddess or the deity that rules the world of this game. Um, And, you know, the Deck of Wonders is her tool. She pours all of her her magic and the the amazing potential and unpredictability that fate has is kind of housed in the Deck of Wonders. and you, the player, have had the audacity to steal it from her. <laughs> and you can probably imagine pissing pissing off fate is not a good idea. Uh, and she's sending her followers after you to reclaim the Deck of Wonders. Um, at the same time, the darker forces of the world see this as an opportunity to swoop in and take the deck for themselves. Um, so you've almost got like a, a one ring situation going on where... You know, you've you've taken something without fully realizing how powerful it is, and now mm-hmm. everybody wants a piece of you. Yep. Uh, specifically, everybody <laughs> wants a piece of it, uh, and so fighting for the control of this powerful magical artifact um, that uh, that you know everyone wants is kind of the theme of the game. And uh, okay, I, it might it might be out there by the time people are listening, but I today that we're recording, I saw the roughs for our box art. Um, oh, which nice. I pushed off okay. and pushed off and pushed off. Just so we've been we've been focused on the ungodly amount of card art in this game. And Lauren Brown is a genius. She's the illustrator. She does an amazing job. And so I saw the roughs for the um the the box art, and it really reinforces this this theme of like you you've you're playing with a toy that your parents don't want you to have right now. You know, you've taken something um that is kind of out of your league and that's that's kind of communicated even through the box art so um maybe i'll, I'll have to get you like a, an image of it for the the show notes because i think by the time this is up uh the box art will be out there oh neat okay i mm. I, I look forward to seeing it i imagine that it looks like a deck or, or you know i used to play magic years and years ago when it first came out and the boxes mm-hmm. that came in was, it was a small little box it was brown and it looked like a book and if you looked at it <laughs> for the spine it was like pages or something Mm-hmm. So it mm-hmm. felt like you had an artifact in your hand, and that's what I imagine this is like. 
I, I love the idea that the packaging for a thing reinforces the story around the mm-hmm. thing. Um, and, and specifically because, you know, the, the, the deck is a capital D, you know, um, artifact here, you know, it's a, the deck of wonders is a, a proper noun. Um, you can, you can make the deck of cards that you're playing with that much more thematic and, and kind of everything as we thought about the packaging and the design is oriented around like when you're, when you're holding the deck of wonders, you really feel like you're interacting with this powerful magical artifact that might have a troll jump out of it or might shoot a, a lightning bolt. Like that's, that's kind of what we're going for. Neat. Okay. That, that That's sort of what I imagine it, it should look like too, which is, is great that, mm. that you can pull that off. That's, that's a neat. So, so magic, ma- I mentioned magic. The game kind of reminds me of magic in some ways, right? The the whole fighting creatures against other creatures sort of thing, trying to trying to reduce mm-hmm. the life points of your enemy, sort of thing. And maybe I can't use words like 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 life points here. I don't remember if that's copyright. It's it's tapped. <laughs> uh, tapped is the tapped big one. Is, well, it's um, everything gets tapped in my household. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, keep it G rated. Uh, <laughs> There's also um, it's Fantasy Flight Games has has living card games. So I've learned yes. it's expandable card game, not living card game. It is exhausted, not tapped, and you got to be very intentional about that because mm-hmm. apparently they defend it, which is you know chase your bliss, I guess. Like, yeah, <laughs> you have to because otherwise people like me just use it everywhere you go. Right? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? So is this game inspired by magic? Because like I said, it has a real Magic the Gathering feel to it. Yeah. Um, I, I know just enough about magic to be dangerous. I play a little bit of, of Duels of the Planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and like most of my knowledge comes from that. Um, my bigger point of reference is Hearthstone. And I went probably for four years, uh, God, where I, I put literally hours a day into Hearthstone on my phone, mm. on the computer, just wherever I could get it. Um, and, and that was, that was very formative. And so a lot of the systems and mechanics in deck of wonders, um, resemble the language of Hearthstone is what I'll say. So like, you know, I, I think every, every genre of game from a deck pil- builder to a worker placement game to, you know, tableau building, whatever there's, it, it, it's kind of a dialect, right? It's kind of its mm-hmm. own language. And so if you, if you know, magic, the gathering, if you know, Hearthstone, um, you speak the dialect of this game. Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of it's pulled from Hearthstone. There's also a lot that is pulled from magic, specifically the idea of, of the, the minion health as all or nothing. So you're either, you're either able to deal enough damage, uh, to a minion on a given turn to kill it, or it resets to full health at the end of that turn. There's no persistent damage, um, which I think is how magic works, right? Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, and that, that, do nothing that's a language that magic players will understand. And it also means I have less trackers in math and things you have to remember while you're playing the game. So that works out really well. Yep. It's amazing how much it's felt like a, like a game of magic or something like that, that mm. competitive feel to it. And it's still a one player game. Yeah. That might, my, my hope is that the, the priority system, which is the system of rules that govern how the villain behaves really does feel like it's got an intelligence behind it without be without being too complicated right um <laughs> the rule book for deck of wonders for for everything in the game is uh you know five pages i think so i've I've tried to keep it very wow, very compact um uh, worth saying because we're talking about magic lauren brown is an avid magic player and what's really okay. fun is she she brings that perspective to the work and so, for example, um, you know, the first villain, Cullen, the Spoiled Prince, we were talking about his mechanics and the way I wanted him to feel. She's like, oh, I got you. He's, he's a green deck. Got it. 
Um, and then we were talking about Aurora, um, the empath, who's the second villain. And, and she's like, oh, she's, she's red, white. Got it. Totally. Um, and Byzant- <laughs> Byzantus the enthraller plays like a, a blue black deck, like, you know, necromancy and uh, mind control and that kind of yep. stuff going on. That, that's funny. You say the colors and yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, it's been a wonderful shorthand. Um, and, you know, none of those, it's, it's so funny. None of them perfectly fits that mold. Mm-hmm. Um, I always feel like it's like Aurora's red, white. Yeah, but you need to, <laughs> you know, think about these combo potentials and you need to think about worry about this side of it and that. So, you know, it, it, it's never straight on, but it's very good um, terminology to get people to grok like, OK, this is what it's going to feel like to play against Aurora. And I can decide I want to respond to her red, white with my own aggro or I can decide I want to respond to her aggro with control or um, stall or fatigue or, you know, whatever. Um, and, and so even though, you know, you're, you're playing a red, white deck, you have agency on how you respond to that feel of the villain. You can lean into it and be like, all right, it's, it's smork time. Let's face race. You know, let's, let's, (laughs) let's, we're just going to be running at each other. Um, or you can decide that you're going to, you know, jujitsu Aikido flip, flip it on her and use her aggression, um, uh, kind of receive it and deflect it to win so uh yeah the the terminology of magic gathering specifically the colors has been a big big part of of how we think about deck of wonders Hmm, and it doesn't have colors like that it's just just the that has the feel of it even yeah it's got just one color of anything yeah and yeah i should say here i did play the game a little bit right uh because you have the the game available i guess a demo of it on tabletop simulator yeah yeah oh good that online very cool Mm-hmm. Well, well. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. How did you fare versus Cullen? I I beat him. I well, you know, I may have gotten some things wrong here and there. I don't know, but I went with the I beat him. Nice. Um, I was frustrated not with the game, but with the tabletop simulator. <laughs> it's the first time I'd used it, and you know, I, I didn't know what it was really at first. And it's a sandbox, right? It's, it's a place yep. where you could go and put things on it and move them around like in like in real life, like a table. Mm-hmm. And and it's fine, but without like going through and reading a manual first or getting a tutorial, which I skipped, <laughs> it yeah. was a little frustrating. I love the flip a table feature because I used that a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. So I, I, you know, I've used that to demo at all the cons that went virtual, and mm-hmm. it's such a steep learning curve, and you have to spend more time thinking about something like flipping over a card than you ever would in real yeah. life. It is, it's an incredible program. It's also a busted program yeah and you know that's just the nature of that kind of program i used to use vassal to do some online gaming before and mm-hmm. i mean either you could spend the, the time and energy to make a, a very tailored uh, experience right where everything works for you and it's perfect and you just click here and all this stuff happens behind the scenes mm-hmm. but that would take a lot of time this this get lets you get the demo onto the, the players really quick so they can see the game mm-hmm. which is super awesome so yeah so I will include a link to that. It's available on Tabletop Simulator is available on Steam and you could download the demo from there. So I could include a link yeah. to the demo. Yeah, I, f- I found that people getting to actually play the game goes so far towards them understanding like the type of experience this is mm-hmm. um, and, and where I can fumble around and be inarticulate about it. It's like, no, just sit down, mess with it for a bit and, and, and people get excited when they get to get their hands on it. So, mm-hmm. um, And cool. if you've never yeah. used Tabletop Simulator, be patient. Get past that experience, you'll enjoy the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're willing to invest three hours learning Tabletop Simulator, you can play my 30-minute demo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's a quick game too. Really, your game played pretty quickly. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, once you once you learn it, especially you can snap one off in in fifteen minutes, in ten minutes, even. Mm-hmm. So so stepping back a minute, you told me about the designer. I already forgot her name. Oh, Lauren Brown. Yeah, Lauren Lauren Brown. Okay, her art reminds me a little bit of going back to Magic. I haven't played. It's been twenty twenty five years since I played. Ooh. But the, the one of the artists I like was Phil Foglio, and the art reminds me of that. The style. Yeah, I'm I'm going to Google him right now. F O G L I O maybe? Uh F O G L I O yeah. Phil right, Foglio. Fo- and let's some of the cards, I mean, you know, the color schemes are all different. There's obviously a palette yeah. that she's Oh, that's fun. Yeah, so she she has huge influences of art nouveau and nature in her work. Um and she gravitates uh towards line work. Um, and so her, her style mm-hmm. tends to be very, very whimsical, lots of, lots of line art, um, and very much the, the motion and the nature centric, um, elements of art nouveau. And, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking you can kind of see, see a lot of that in, in Phil's work as well here, uh, which is really cool. I hadn't heard of him before and absolutely it's, it's got that flair to it. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think he's been doing cards for ages because, because looking at the cards, I recognize most of the ones I see here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's it's funny. Magic is a bit like country music in that you can leave it for twenty <laughs> years and then turn on the radio or come back to it, and surprise, you, you'll recognize most of the stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's neat. Um, all right, so what else am I going to ask you? All right, so okay, so I, I mentioned I played the game, and hmm. it's it's really neat. It gives you that two player feel. It really does but you're playing solo, which is super awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it does is it has the AI sort of, you set up the opponent's cards and then you arrange your cards in what order you want them to attack you. I think I got that right. Maybe I got it backwards. Mm-hmm. Now there but, are some restrictions on that, but that's the, yeah, you you generally have a fair amount of agency over what order the villain cards attack in. Okay. Can you talk a little more about that mechanic? Because I thought it was really neat. It, it is pretty simple, but there's a lot of, thought that you could put into that when you set it up it, sure i think that that definitely feels like it's a lot of the gameplay yeah yeah um I, we mentioned earlier right you know one of the things you have to manage in a, a multiplayer game is downtime and it always sucks when you're like just waiting for someone else to do their homework um so how much more would it suck uh in a solo game where not only do you have downtime but you have to do their homework for them you know <laughs> <laughs> and so if you're if you're purely just playing out the decision from like an automaton standpoint and you have no agency, you just have to make sure the rules are followed. Um, that, to my mind, is still like really boring downtime. Like you're doing something, but it's it's mindless, busy work to get to your interesting decision making. And so one of the things very early on that I, I realized I wanted to do is make it so the player never has downtime, make it so that even on the villain's turn, you know, ma- maintain that turn based structure but um, make it so that on the villain's turn, you have agency and you are making decisions. Um, and so that's, that's the format there where, you know, the villain, the villain is going to attack and broadly it's going to attack your highest priority minions first. So, you know, there's, there's an, a, um, the, the, the priority stat, every, every player minion has um, a priority level. And that basically means that the villain is, is going to roughly prioritize its targets correctly. Um, and, and you have uh-huh. to follow that. But within that, then you you get to decide um, which of the villain minions attack first. You're kind of 
you know, the, the villain is, is bigger and stronger and favored by fate. Remember fate does not like Mm -hmm. you. She wants you to lose. Um, so, so the villain, um, gets all of her benefits as well. Uh, so your one advantage is that you are smarter, you know, you are craftier. And so you can choose your battles a little bit better and, and the villain will kind of fall into your traps or will, will, um, go after your diversions or suggestions. So, um, by you having that agency, you are always actively playing the game, even when it's the villain's turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that. So I had it, I had it backwards. You line up your cards in a specific order. You mm-hmm. have no real control over that. And then you get to choose how your enemies attack you. It feels counterintuitive. It feels like it should be the other way around, right? You don't get to choose your enemies' actions. You choose your, your stuff. Yeah. But, and, but and it works really well the way you set it up. It is, yeah. It is, it is definitely like I had to figure out the right way to explain that and, and paint a picture around it. So the, the idea mm-hmm. of you're choosing your battles um, or you're kind of, you're picking your moves um, because you are the smaller, scrappier force that seemed to to resonate to help people kind of, kind of get that idea or feel like it was more natural um, because it is an inversion, right? Um, a lot of deck of wonders is technically played on defense, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, when a minion is attacked yep. or when your minion is attacked, it will deal its damage back to whatever attacks uh, it. So even though you might have a minion die before you get to attack with it by like, you know, exhausting it and dealing its damage, it can still deal a lot of damage and do a lot of work for you. Um, it's just kind of on defense, um, which, you know, that's a little bit, uh, I like the, the, the feel I'm trying to co- create in Deck of Wonders is that you're on your back foot you know, fate is big and powerful. Her villains are big and powerful and you're just trying to get by and figure out how to survive to next turn most of the time. So part of that is thematic uh, that, um, you know, you're, you're, you're playing on defense a lot. And then part of it is just, you, you have to make that sacrifice a little bit to make a solo game work. Got Yeah. Okay. So, so how many enemies are, or villains are there in the game? Do you play, yeah. do you get to play against fate herself too? So fate herself will not appear in the game as, as like a card or a person. Um, and, and Lauren and I had this idea very early on that I love um, that, that, you know, fate, fate is a God, right? Fate, fate is a mm-hmm. God. Um, and it's almost, she is, she is so far above your plane of what you can understand or, or whatever that it's almost whatever picture you could draw of her is going to be inaccurate. Whatever single incarnation you could represent is not the whole picture. And she's so much more behind the scenes and so much more kind of just uh, in the ether than what you could depict as a villain that you could go up against directly. Um, So you are always, um, at least right now, you are always interacting with her um, through her emissaries, through her villains and her followers. Um, who are acting on behalf of fate, but who also have their own agendas. Um, and it's been fun to think of like all the different reasons that someone would either worship fate or once want fate's attention, or in some, in some cases, the villains even have an antagonistic relationship to fate. And that, you know, that all plays out in interesting ways. So um, fate herself will not be in the game. Um, but when you start the game, you will be able to see three different villains. Um, one of them is available right away. That's Cullen, the Spoiled Prince, our green mm-hmm. deck. Um, and two are locked initially. That's Aurora and Byzantus, the red-white girl and the blue-black sorcerer. Uh, and through playing, you unlock them, you get their cards, you get their special rules and powers and their stories as well. And you progress through the game kind of um, learning and conquering each of these villains. 
Now to, to actually unlock everything for a villain or to see their full story, to master them, um, it's going to take 15 plus games. So it's a a 15 minute game. Um, but as you're playing, you're unlocking stuff and you might've seen that, you know, every villain has in addition to special rules, um, and special powers, special cards and, and story, they also have special legacy unlockables. Um, meaning that when you meet certain conditions and sub objectives against that villain, um, you, you stop the game, you go open up whatever pack it indicates, um, and you don't know what's in it in advance, but you add that to the game and that's going to change the game in interesting ways. Um, okay. Yeah. So each, and you might, you might unlock Aurora before you've seen everything for, uh, Cullen, uh, and so on and so forth. So you, you know, you, these villains are something that it's not like you beat them once and move on to the next. And, and so three is a small thing. These are very robust and distinct play experiences that you can, you're, they're going, those play experiences are going to evolve as you succeed and fail against them. Mm-hmm. I've got such a love hate relationship with the unlocking stuff in legacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's fun to do, but you know, I, I get the game. I'm like, you know, why should I wait? It's my game. I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> right. But, but I can't do that. Cause I got to follow the rules. <laughs> well, right? This is the beauty of a solo game. If you want to get this day one and here you hear it from the designer, if you get this day one and you want to ignore everything about the legacy unlockable and story, chase your bliss, go for it, <laughs> rip open every single pack before you've read the rules and have fun looking over art and, and all that. Like that's right. Yeah. Enjoy this game the way you want to enjoy it. That is why we solo game is to not have that pressure. <laughs> that's, that's so true. Um, so yep. I, if, if anyone can give permission for that on deck of wonders, it has to be me. Right. And, and, and that's, <laughs> that's part of the reason I created it. So, so go for it. So right there, you heard it from the designer. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ignore the rules. I spent a year writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, um, how, so are the enemies then, I guess they get more difficult as you progress through them. Mm-hmm. And then okay. the, the legacy unlockables, um, I've, I've tried to make it very rarely that, that an unlock or a rule or whatever just straight make, makes things harder. Um, what it does is it presents new challenges, excuse me, new challenges. And most mm-hmm. likely those challenges are going to require you to rethink the strategy that you used to unlock those cards. Yep. Um, and so it's going to feel oftentimes like an unlock is making the game harder. Because it's what you did to, you know, what worked to get that unlock is not going to work when that unlock is in the game. Uh, or at least that's what I'm going for on the design front. Um, so there's there's definitely that. And then each villain, um, and I guess th- this is like very minor spoiler territory, but I've, I've talked about it in enough places that I, I don't think it should ruin it for anyone. Um, but each each villain has a faded form. And that is the villain's true self revealed. It is It is them... Um, at the height of their power, right? Um, and that uh, is straight up a challenge mode. That is straight up more difficult. There is no concessions or anything there. It's like, okay, you thought you got a handle on Cullen. Well, here's the faded form of Cullen. Um, oh, now you're going to lose. You know, or now, you know, now, now I've, I've intentionally balanced it, like that you are going to have to play masterfully. Um, and you're going to have to custom build your deck to beat these, these challenge uh, faded forms of the villains. Uh, and it, it should feel like a real triumph when you finally succeed against them. Nice. Okay. I like that. I like the I like the name too, the faded form. Yeah, it's yeah. Nice. It's it's been fun to play with fate as a as a theme. Mm-hmm. It's it's um you know, you see it in some places, but I, I haven't seen um fate as a person with agency uh very often. 
Yeah, not, other than uh, Sandman comics, I think. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the um, I was gonna say the so as you unlock stuff, you can throw any cards into any deck. In my mind, or maybe it's something I read and misunderstood, or maybe I read it right. I don't know. Hmm. But the cards that you have against each villain, you only use with that villain. Yeah. Great question. So the each villain has a set of cards associated with them. It is their cards, right? Um, and if you are facing that villain, you have to use their cards in the deck of wonders. Um, but that only forms about half the deck. You also have a very broad base collection of cards that are always at your disposal. And you, you build from that collection almost as an answer to whatever the challenge the villain has laid out in their cards. And so you look at the villain's cards and think, okay, what, what combos well with these, what counters these, um, what gives me the best chance of winning? And by the way, you're having to do that for each side of the card simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So you can't just put a counter into the deck because if you don't draw that counter and the villain does, then the villain gets something. And so you need a counter for that. And then your counter for that needs a counter. And <laughs> um, it, it, you know, you can go down the rabbit hole real quick on trying to find the ecosystem of cards that both combo well in your hand are likely to stymie the villain if they draw them and then have favorable interactions for you when they clash on the battlefield. Like there, there are those three dimensions to every single deck building choice that you make. So the, the villain has cards, uh, you can add cards to that. And then over time you start winning the villains, minions and cards over into your collection. And so now you, you don't just have to use Cullen's cards against Cullen, but you can use Cullen's cards if you want against Aurora and Byzantis as well, um, because his minions almost start like defecting to your side, you know? Um, nice, okay. You, That's you cool. the right to, to have them fight for you. Um, or who knows? Maybe they'll come out and fight for Aurora. It's all, it's all in Fate's hands. Yep. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that is neat. So I am obsessed with games and their boxes and everything matching nicely in my shelf. Mm. What what is the the form factor of this game? What size is the box? What's what's it look like? Yeah. So the have you ever heard of Gruff? I can tell. Well, I'll, I'll caveat all of this. I am I have a design target. I know what I want to do for the form factor of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's a chance that there's the you know to make things work, I'm going to have to compromise on that. Um, ideally, it will be like Gruff. Um, I'll send you a link to to the game. Um, Okay. I don't know. Let's see. I can. I'll send it to you. It's you know. basically a smallish box, I guess. It is. It is a seven point five by three point five by, or excuse me, seven point five by four point five by three box. So think of it as is almost like if you if you have a, a stack of cards, like yeah. a really really tall stack of cards, and then you just turn that sideways. It's a box that's meant to accommodate that style of um, of of deck which yep. is just, just makes a ton of sense for a, a deck-focused game. So, um, yeah, so, you know, whatever, 7.5 by uh, 3, 4.5 by 3 is the, okay. is the dimensions there. About the size of two decks of cards side by side, not quite. But that, that general um, scale, okay. It's not no, like no, a big no. so, uh, coffin box or something. <laughs> no, think, well, yeah, you'll, you'll see the picture and you'll know what I'm talking about. So it, it is yeah. like... Um, probably like 10 or so decks of cards stacked on top of each other. 
Oh, okay. Like that, that's the shape of it. It's a box that would go around that. And, and, you know, this is, this is an expandable card game. My ambition is that it does well enough that I can support it with expansions. Um, and I kind of know where I want to go with those expansions if, if it's successful enough. Um, so eventually I, I would love to make sure that this box has room for the, you know, the next set if people want it. Um, mm-hmm. without you know without wasting space if if you don't uh and and gruff the card game um which is which is a really cool concept by the way if you haven't seen it you should check it out um but it, it kind of that is the form factor that that will work there's a, a chance it might need to be a more traditional six by eight by two box um okay. so like a boss monster box or, or what have you um and then there's a chance i could go um like a dominion uh, style uh, plastic insert route where like the the holders for the cards are meant to also be the organizers because you know you've got three different bosses you've got your core collection which also breaks into three different parts and then you've got all the legacy packs mm-hmm. and, and so, so something with a little more regimented organization um, is is on the radar as well um, this is the beauty of kickstarter um, your support helps decide how nice i can make this <laughs> That's right. Yep. So I'm a, yep. I, you know, I'm I'm an indie designer. I'm one man designing this game. Lauren is one woman doing the art, um, and and truly, truly, we need the help of the community to make this thing a reality. And and whether or not the community shows up, it determines um, what kind of game Deck of Wonders gets to be. Yep, absolutely. I, I wish you luck. I hope the game does really well. It, it looks fun. I look forward to to playing uh, my copy of it and opening all the packs in any order I want. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Go to it. Yeah. One one quick last question. Mm. The Kickstarter we we mentioned it's going on as you're listening to this. Mm-hmm. Um, as people are listening to this, when does it end? How much uh, How much does the game cost? That yeah, that's a great question. So the Kickstarter launches on August 25th. You're probably past that date. Um, mm-hmm. It ends 23 days from them, so it's the Thursday three weeks later. Which why I don't know that off the top of my head. I don't know. It's like September 17th. I want to say, but it might okay. be September 19th. Let's see. Uh, it is, yes, yeah, September 17th is the end date. Um, hopefully at the time you're listening to this, we will have met our 48-hour funding goal. Um, and if we fund in 48 hours, everyone who backs, even if you haven't backed yet, everyone who backs gets the full digital art book for Deck of Wonders for free. So nice, okay. hopefully you've got that waiting for you. Um, the game at its base form is going to be $35. Um, so again, because it's a card form factor, I, I hopefully like, you know, that compresses down from your typical 60 to 90. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, um, because it's, it's just cards, the shipping will hopefully be okay for people as well. That's always the most painful part of backing a Kickstarter. So mm. I know I apologize. I want it to be lower too. Like, I'm so sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, go back. Um, and, uh, so that's the base level is $35 plus shipping. Um, there is a signature edition of the game that has a, an exclusive um, dual-sided or whatever we decided that term was signature card in it um, in theme with the, with the game where I've signed one side and Lauren will sign the other. So you have the artist and designer in a, a kind of custom designed for that signature card. So that's a signature edition that'll be $50, or excuse me, $55. Um, there is then going to be a two-pack option where if you buy two copies of the game, so for $70 total, we will upgrade one of them to the signature edition for free. Oh, neat. Okay. And then there will be, I have to be mysterious on this because I'm waiting to hear back from the manufacturer on some really freaking exciting stuff, but there will be a faded form of the game itself. Um, it's going to be $350. It's going to have alternate artwork, not just for cards, but for the box. Um, it's going to give oh, wow. people a you know a personal thank you, like by name on the front 
of the rule book or, you know, the, you know, at the front of the rule book, I should say. And um, that is really for the people who, who want to see this succeed, want to invest, and then want to get something really unique and special um, mm-hmm. for that investment. So, wow. uh, unique art for all those cards too, you said? You, you uh, keep for, Lauren really like, busy. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I, don't, I won't <laughs> find Lauren up for that. Um, but oh, okay. we'll, pick, we'll pick one iconic card from each set. So three, three, uh, three sets um, and do uh, alternate art for that. So, for example, Forest Troll. Oh, okay. Um, which is more manageable for, for Lauren. Again, one person mm-hmm. doing um, 50 plus pieces of art, I think is going to be in this at the end of the day. It might even get up towards 70, depending on how things go. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the Forest Troll is one of the iconic minions from Cullen's set. Um, yeah. And if you look at it now, it ter- terrible for an audio medium, but if you look at it now, you know the the player's side is almost kind of a summer aesthetic of, of it and everything's very lush and green. And then the villain side is an autumn aesthetic. Um, where it's it's gone bright orange, which is nice because it's like temper is much worse on the villain side, uh, so it's reflected <laughs> there. The alternate art would be something like a uh, a spring and winter version of the forest troll that is only available to people that do that version. I see. Today. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So That's not, nice. You, you get something special, but it, mechanically it's the same. Everybody could still play the same mm-hmm. game. And that, that alternate art is in addition to the base art too. You're not going to lose your, ah, your okay. summer fall forest trolls. <laughs> gotcha. So um, yeah. And then of course that will also have the signature, signature card. So um, if there's people out there that want to kind of take that more investor approach uh, to it, uh, that, you know, I, I wanted something that would, would feel like it was rewarding um, coming alongside us and, and making this happen in a big way. And, and hopefully that feels like it. Cool. All right. Well, very cool. Th- thank you for all that information. Mm-hmm. Thanks for sharing the game and the ideas. It sounds really great. I, I look forward to playing it again. Thank you so much. Playing yeah, I'm, I'm excited to uh, continue to be a part of this awesome community. And thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.